Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by one of our newest and favorite sponsors, and that is Photo IQ. Photo IQ offers digital photography online courses like none other of its kind. Okay, it's explained simply, concisely. There's no jargon, no overcomplications, and there are lessons for from beginner to intermediate photographer from ages 13 and up. It's the only digital photography course of its kind that offers online um, quizzes, personal feedback. You get to upload your your homework, and it'll help you build your own portfolio. It's going to be more in depth than anything you've probably taken in high school, and even if you took some like freshman level courses in college. Okay, and you can do this all socially distance from home you know we're all stuck in our houses under these uh lockdown restrictions and you know some of your schools aren't open well this is a great way to learn a new skill maybe develop an alternate source of income and get that side gig starting to sort of free yourself up so what i need you to do is go to photoiq.co and use the promo code fiction to get you 10% off. He offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. So ditch those pathetic sunset pictures you guys have been taking. Go to photoiq.co, use promo code FICTION, and start learning how to take anything from camera basics, still life, food, landscapes, portraits, black and white, action photos, everything that you could possibly imagine. He's got a course for it. It's going to be better than anything you can find on YouTube. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. All right, let's get on with the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Welcome back, everybody. What is going on? This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I, of course, am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And I have a very special episode for you guys. We're doing another interview. Somebody who uh, I think you guys are going to love. I know he's, he's combining two of my favorite things, which is liberty and memes. You guys know I have a huge addiction to memes. So I am delighted to bring on David Gay of Liberty Memes. What's going on, man? So let me tell you about that, since you're addicted to memes and libertarianism and liberty philosophy. Um, Liberty Memes started in 2013, and we were making memes even before we did the page way back in like 2009 and stuff like that. So in terms of current political climate being meme-based, we were the pioneers. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember you, this was several years ago, but you were one of the first pages that I remember getting like completely zucked on Facebook. And it was yeah. like, you had to come up with all these spinoff pages. It was like Liberty memes, Liberty memes Two, 
definitely not liberty yeah <laughs> um actually none of those are ours none of those are yours okay i like to inform Shows people that those are there there are three reasons that that would happen there are people who made a page for us to have as a backup there are people who wanted to steal our thunder because it was their moment to be liberty memes and there are other people who would make pages of liberty memes in order to post really really bad things so that people would hate us and yeah, well, really i know there funny. was a lot of uh back and forth there was a lot of infighting so it was kind of confusing yeah, as to which silly. page was actually yours yeah so the only pages that are mine people would have to ask me hey which one is yours because am i following the right one but ours is currently facebook.com slash liberty memes original page Gotcha. And we do some sort of iteration of original so that people know it's the original. But we tried Liberty Memes original and that got zucked. We had, in total, we've probably been zucked out of close to a million followers. Wow. And that would be, in 2016, we had about 100,000 and we got, we were actually the first political meme page. Uh, you know, innocuous political meme page. It's not like we were calling for violence. It's not like we were posting pornography. We even had a rule against obscenities at that time. Uh, we had a granny filter on our posts. You know, every once in a while, the S word or the B word might get in or we'll say, oh, let's kick some status ass or something, you know. But we had a granny filter rule because we wanted to reach the the largest possible audience. Right. And... Um, so we were like an extremely inoffensive page. And uh, what happened in 2016, obviously, uh, Hillary Clinton had some controversy during her uh, campaign where uh, the emails and the FBI was investigating her and all this stuff. And people were waiting for the FBI to press charges. And then they declared, well, we're going to give a press conference later today to let everybody know that we're not going to press charges. And immediately the meme went up. Hillary Clinton with a smug looking face and it said, silly Americans laws are for poor people. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> and that went so extremely incredible, incredibly viral that I think by that evening it had reached, you know, tens of millions of people around the world wow. between it being directly shared from our page hundred thousand times to also people copying it and posting it all over the place everywhere else. And that got us a ban of our personal accounts and it got us a huge warning that said, your page is at risk of being deleted. And I said, for what? Like, what did we even do? So what happened next was we went back, uh, we went actually, we went to our audience because we were we were under threat, but we weren't deleted yet. And back then they didn't have that that what that sort of uh, hurting your reach through the algorithm where once you've had some sort of an offense, they'll show you to less people. So we still had our reach. So we told our audience, hey, who is in the press that we can get this out to? And it ended up in Blaze. It ended up on Breitbart. It ended up as the third story on Drudge Report. Nice. So, and I've learned from political activism training classes that I took through various Ron Paul campaigns that getting the press in that moment is critical. And usually people won't do something bad to you while they're getting bad PR about you. Gotcha. 
So they were getting really negative PR about Liberty memes in 2016. So they, what they did, in fact, this is crazy. And maybe even Zuckerberg himself was in these meetings. They had a meeting and this was in one of the articles that said they had a meeting of their board of trustees. Over and a meme. They said, and they said, hey, community standards department, you have to give back every single post that you have ever deleted from that page. Wow. So they reactivated all our old posts. We had this old one that that another one that that got us banned uh in late 2015 or or maybe March of 2016 was uh it said Trump or Clinton. Top socket or bottom socket? And it was a little kid playing with a fork by an electrical socket. And my brother says that the warning he got was that it violated standards on promoting self-harm. Jesus. Is that, you know, that picture of the 50s boy with a fork next to the socket? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It just said Trump or uh, it said Trump or Clinton, top socket or bottom socket. And he <laughs> says, and Peter says, uh, my brother, you know, I understand why this could promote self-harm because someone might actually see that and think that they should vote. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the story on that. But even that got republished and all these other things that, that were, you know, really mildly offensive, it all just got republished and, and Facebook had egg on their face for having done that to us. Uh, Flash forward to 2020, they could do whatever they want. Um, they control the media at this point and everybody, and there's no secret about the fact that you can't say things. And it's because they've got certain things in the news right now that they don't want you to counter. And so very reasonable to the people who believe those stories, uh, that they would prevent people from spreading false news about those things. So they can use that to also completely wipe out any alternative voice on any subject. And that's what they've been doing. But flash forward from 2016, uh, after we got all that press attention to 2018 in October, in the first week, what happened was over 700 uh, alternative voice pages got deleted all at once. And it was called the Great Zuckening. And I think people know that. And by the way, a Zuckening and being Zucked is a term that was coined by Liberty Memes. Really? Yes. So if that's in the, so if that's in the dictionary by now, which it should be in at least one of those, you know, progressive dictionaries, the word Zuck came from Liberty memes. We, we did spend quite a few years directly shaping culture, especially as pertains to politically based meme activism, things like that. Um, and so we had we had reach. We had, you know, 50, 50 million people a month would see the stuff that we posted. Really? You know, we were really, really getting it out there. And so the Liberty message was being faithfully promoted. There wasn't you could figure out that we were Ron Paul supporters because there wasn't really much variance from Ron Paul's message to the message that was being conveyed through our memes. It was just like one part of the message here, another part of the message there, another part. But it was mostly at the same time ridiculing politicians because we're more like anarchists, like ANCAPs, and we kind of we don't like the idea of state worship. Right. You know, people have this idolatry for anything that they're told by the state. And so that was our idea was to abolish the the idolatry that's in your mind about the state, you know, the state religion. And so we would pick on whatever came along that people like to worship. 
<laughs> like, uh, memes are just the best way of doing yeah. it. There, there's yeah, something I mean, about. Sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> well, there's just something so beautiful about being able to convey such a complex message with just a picture and a few words, and you can make people laugh. It's beautiful. Well, well, Jeff Dice of the Mises Institute, actually, in 2016, we were both speakers at the 2016 Texas Libertarian Party Convention. And Jeff is the president of the Mises Institute. And if you know about the Mises Institute, they have books. They have a lot of books. They have all the books. And he said, David, sometimes I can't get anybody to read any of these books, but you guys post a meme and millions of people see it. And it's so effective at conveying the message that is in the entire volume of that book. Yeah. So that is, this is very important. He said, yeah, meme-based activism. And at the time we were allowed to do that. Now they've figured out ways to prevent us from meme-based activism. Uh, to a point. But so in 2018 was the great zuckening and that made news people. I think it even made New York post a couple other circulars covered the story that all these pages have been taken down. Now that wasn't exclusively libertarian pages. There was also some, uh, uh, so there were communist pages that were taken down and there were extreme lefts and things like that were taken down. Um, but they waited for that special morsel two weeks later, because they knew that Liberty memes knew how to get the press on board with their story, gotcha. with our, with our story. So they were like, we can get rid of all these pages at once, but nobody touched Liberty memes yet. And so, sorry about my lighting here. I'm actually in my car. So what they did was we were unzuckable for two years. We actually even coined that phrase being unzuckable for two years. We could post anything and it just wasn't getting taken down. They were basically under orders. Don't take anything down from these guys. But in 2018, two weeks after the great zuckening, they took us down. They didn't give us a reason. And in fact, it was seconds after completing a fundraiser for someone who had had their house burned down. Jesus. And it was a Facebook fundraiser. It was the kind that they want us to promote. Right. We saved somebody from destitution um, after one of the most traumatic events that someone could have. We're a good to the community and we bring value to Facebook overall. And they deleted us and didn't even tell us why. We didn't even have any other memes up that were in violation or anything. It was just, you're done, bye. Un unbelievable. We tried to appeal it, and we never got a reply to that appeal. Um, but we went to the press immediately, and we were like, "All oh, you guys, you covered this story when they messed with us in 2016. Well, they finally did it, and they said, they said, David, I'd love to help you, but we just covered that story two weeks ago, and it's out of the cycle. So I really believe that it was by design that we were the last page in the process of the great zuckening. Yeah, because they knew that we were the ones that could make hay and cause a little trouble for them. Eee, I'm opening the door, turning on my lights. <laughs> it's funny, but they knew that we were the ones that could cause trouble for them, and so they saved us for once it was out of the news cycle. So yeah. uh, you got to hand it to them. <laughs> but meanwhile, we had been helping a lot of people, but at that point, uh, we had been doing a lot of fundraisers at that point. So we can get to that. 
or we can talk about anything you want. Or you yeah, can talk well, about how we how we decided to do Liberty Memes in the first place. That was going to be my first question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my brother and I, we were always, I guess you could consider us anti-communist activists for quite some time in our lives. Uh, the first thing I remember when I was five years old politically was I was reading Calvin and Hobbes on the toilet. And... <laughs> There was a particular sketch in Calvin and Hobbes where his parents wanted him to take a bath and he didn't want to. And they said, well, we can force him and we can force you. And they just threw him in the tub. And he was not happy with that. And I was five years old, so I could definitely feel his pain in this cartoon. And in giant, bold letters in pencil, scribbled, big, huge letters, it said, communists. (laughs) And I was five years old and I had no clue what that word meant, but I saw that word and I was like, that's not good. That's bad. I don't like being forced to do anything I don't want to do either. And if, and if it's the communists that are forcing that to happen, mm-mm, I don't want the any part that. in that word. So then, you know, a couple of years go by, I'm in elementary school and the textbook says something about Fidel Castro being a communist dictator. And back then they would actually call the communist dictators dictators. They wouldn't call them the president of Cuba. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they would be like, oh yeah, this guy, the Soviet Union, the Soviet bloc, this is our Cold War enemies. And so we were raised, my brother and I both in the Cold War era, and we were staunchly, diametrically opposed to communism. And so by the time I graduated from high school and um, actually in 1994, a bunch of refugees came from Guantanamo Bay to my city of Syracuse, New York, and their chaplain in Guantanamo for refugee processing. This was during the raft crisis of 1992, 93, 94. This was while the Soviet Union was collapsing, had collapsed and Cuba had run out of subsidy money. They had nothing to sustain their economy and people were hungry. They said, there is nothing here for us. And if we stay here, we're going to starve to death. So they jumped on a boat made out of whatever you could find. And thousands of people drowned in the middle of that ocean. People were eaten by sharks. People were taken you know, in currents that would just make them disappear into the middle of the ocean, especially around the Florida Straits, Bermuda Triangle area. There are a lot of currents and even into the Gulf of Mexico that could bring you into the Gulf of Mexico and make you swirl around in circles and make you feel like you're headed in the right direction. And you would just be stuck. And and what I mean by a circle is like, you don't feel that it's a circle. You'll think that you're going straight, but yeah. it's miles and miles out just eventually going around like this. Oh, and people die that is that like my way. worst nightmare. <laughs> you know, children, children didn't die of dehydration. They died of drinking seawater because they were thirsty. And drinking seawater when you're dehydrated will immediately kill you. It yeah. will cause your, it will cause internal hemorrhaging. So these, this is what happened. And, and uh, so these people were desperate to get out and they did. And, and the people who were picked up by the Coast Guard or by Brothers to the Rescue or things like that were brought to Guantanamo for processing to come to the United States as refugees. And when they got here, their chaplain in Guantanamo told them, call up this pastor in Syracuse. He'll 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 help you guys out. And I was taking like level one of Spanish in, in middle school. And my pastor said, hey, why don't you uh, why don't you come with me? I need an interpreter. I was like, okay, I'll do this. This sounds like fun. 
And by two months after that, I have spoken since then primarily Spanish. And I sound exactly like a Cuban when I speak Spanish. And my wife is a political refugee from Cuba. And when I got out of high school, my first job was to go around the world to tournaments and help Cuban baseball players and incite their defections. Yeah. So, so tell me been, a little bit about so that. Like, so I've been like a liberty anti-communist activist for quite some time. I actually ended up on, there's an episode of the Cuban version of CSI. And the whole episode is based around my story. And it's pretty hilarious because you can even find my name and signature written on a letter in that episode. And it's on YouTube. I could give you the link and people can find it. I can even tell you which minute to find it on. Um, but it's really funny because the beginning of the episode promises, just like every other show in every other country, that the names have been changed. But there is a picture of my signature on a Cuban CSI episode. And just like here in the United States and everywhere else in the world, every TV show is basically run by the people who are in charge of things in that country. So, I mean, obviously this only exists to be a propaganda film. Yeah. So I'm on a Cuban propaganda film as some evil guy who wants Cuban baseball to fail. And all I want is for these guys to make millions of dollars so that they can go back to Cuba and reinvest in their hometowns, which is literally what they're doing nowadays. But somehow I was the, the, the crime that I had been committing uh, was called illegally inciting, uh, I'm sorry, inciting the illegal abandonment of the national territories, what they call it. It was, that's what it's called. And, and there are actually court documents of people who threw my name out there so that they wouldn't give up the, the traffickers that they were actually working with to smuggle Cuban baseball players out. So people would get caught helping Cuban baseball players escape by actual nefarious, you know, illicit means. And they would say, oh, I was working with this guy named David Gay. So what's going to happen? That would, end up, that would end up on the court documents in Cuba. And I'm like, holy crap, dude, I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> so are you allowed to go back to Cuba now or are they going to lock you in a cage? Uh, I've, well, I've never, I've never been to Cuba. I've been to other countries where Cuba played in international tournaments. Um, the Cuban national team, the Cuban junior national team, most of those people have are either currently in major league baseball or have actually reached retirement age. Uh, that's how old I am. Um, but, um, no. So flash forward to 2007. No, I, I can't go there. And my wife is afraid to go back as well. She's a political refugee. Her family suffered a lot. Her mother was denied adequate health care. Oh, in that perfect, beautiful socialist system, her wife, uh, my, my, sorry, her mother, my, my father-in-law's wife was, uh, basically just neglected and allowed to die of a condition that was easily treatable with penicillin. It was a simple blood infection that could have been treated. And, um, what happened was it was because her husband wasn't with the party is because he was a dissident is because he wasn't, you know, he was not a communist by any stretch. In fact, he would, he would, uh, blast the transmissions of radio free Cuba and Ronald Reagan speeches to the whole neighborhood in the eighties. <laughs> You're talking about in the middle of the cold war, this guy's playing Ronald Reagan speeches for his whole neighborhood to hear. Wow. That's the kind, that's the kind of dissident he was. This yeah. guy's got serious balls. He didn't care. And he's still, he's still the same way. And, um, 
But yeah, they neglected her in favor of the doctors dressing up like soldiers and marching around the hospital pretending to defend it from an impending Yankee invasion. Wait, so they put on like a whole charade just so that they didn't have to give her Uh care? Well, it wasn't for her. I mean, no, it was just them being absurd and communist. Okay. They marched around the hospital dressed in their olive green uniforms as revolutionary guard or whatever, and they were doctors and nurses. They're supposed to be practicing and saving people's lives. And they're like, well, we're really saving lives because we're marching around the hospital defending it from the impending Yankee invasion today. And it's so absurd. And they do stuff like this routinely in countries like that. And they still do that in Cuba. Um, but that's how she died. So um, in, uh, in 2007, when I was done working with the Cuban baseball scene, uh, mostly because it had shifted, uh, people would escape from Cuba th- through international tournaments because they already had a visa. They already had their passport on them. They were already in a third country where they could apply for asylum. And they learned that it was faster if you just hired a guy who has a speedboat. And the guys who have speedboats are usually cartel gangs and things like that in Mexico. And I was in Yucatan in Mexico and someone threatened my life. Um, They said, you know, those dead bodies that have been washing up on shore um, in the past couple of weeks. And you can look this up. This is verifiable. In 2006 and 2007 in Cancun, there was a rash of headless bodies washing up on the beach. And uh, these traffickers, I, I apparently was encroaching on their territory by just being there working with people who had already escaped Cuba. And these traffickers said, um, why did you come over to our house for, uh, you know, a pork roast? And I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I'll go. So I'm on my way. And he's, he says, where are you? Pull over, go, go into the nearest cafe. Tell me where it is. And he shows up and he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You know, those headless bodies, you were about to be the next one. Jesus, dude. I was like, well, thank you for letting me know, because I always thought that the mafia just kills people without warning. (laughs) Apparently, if you're not a bad guy, they will let you have one chance to do what you need to do to save your neck literally <laughs> no so so they said they said you'll be the next one but maybe you should just go back to new york to your family i was like yeah you know it's a good idea you don't have to tell me twice i'm on my way and the very next day i was on a plane back to back to the united states yeah, didn't take and you long to there, look that I, one over <laughs> from there i wasn't working in that anymore and by the time i got home within i think a week or two my brother brought me to a ron paul meetup Let's take a quick second and thank our other dear, dear, dear sponsor of the show. You know him as Lorenzotti Coffee. Guys, if you like premium Italian coffee, but you hate going to these corporate, poorly managed, poorly prepared coffee houses, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, things like that, especially now where you got to put on mask on and stand in a socially distanced line, you're going to love Lorenzotti Coffee. They deliver premium Italian coffee and coffee brewing supplies right to your door. It's a small business that was started by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs who came together over their love of coffee and their desire to bring that small, independent coffee house feel back here across the pond to the United States. So what I want you to do is go to lorenzotti.coffee and use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you, and they'll give you 10% off your order. 
even if you're not a coffee drinker yourself, I'm sure you know someone who does, and these tins are beautiful. They'd make a great you know, portion of a gift basket or something like that if you wanted to send somebody that you care about a package. Go to lorenzotti.coffee, use promo code FICTION, and you'll get 10% off. Okay. And I was like, this is really cool. Because I had already been thinking about needing, and I was a Republican at the time, and I was already thinking about wanting to keep the White House Republican, but not wanting it to be a warmonger Republican. Because I had voted for George Bush in 2000 to be the anti-Bill Clinton foreign policy. Yeah. And so I wanted to keep that. And I abstained from voting in 2004 because he had become that the exact same spitting image of of Bill Clinton's foreign policy in, you know, Kosovo, Haiti, Somalia, just all over the world. Man, we were everywhere under Clinton too. And nobody even talks about that anymore. But, um, so I didn't vote for George Bush in 2004. And I was like, but we could still keep the white house because people currently like Republican fiscal policies. What they don't like is the war. All we have to do is get rid of that or have a candidate who's not going to be a warmonger and we can't lose. And I heard about Rob Paul and he was an anti-war Republican who delivered like 5,000 babies. I was like, this is awesome. We can't lose. That's how naive I was. I didn't realize that there were all these forces that wanted us to be at war. And there was all this other stuff, you know, that that wanted a warmonger in office. We ended up with Barack Obama, who was the Bush policy on steroids. Yeah. But he's got the and, silver uh, tongue, so it, it really takes yeah. the edge of all the bombs that they're dropping. Yeah, well, but it, but he was like, I'm dropping this bomb on you, but but don't worry, it's not war. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, that sounds good. How about a peace prize? Here you go. <laughs> was a peace prize before you even up. took office. It's ridiculous. Well, I actually was talking about this on a podcast the other night, too. Um could you imagine thinking like you used to think when you were a statist or if you were ever a statist? Um, thinking that, you know, the police are sacred and that government buildings should be super respected and that you need to worship the flag all the time and all these other things are just sacred and don't, you know, don't don't say bad things about Labor Day, you know. And we look at this nowadays, and I remember supporting the war on drugs as a child. I grew up in the ghetto, and it was constantly like full of bullets, war-torn because of the war on drugs. And I blamed the drugs. Yeah. Well. Instead of blaming the government who was killing people and throwing them in cages over a personal decision. Yeah. I mean, that's what you were trained to believe yeah. growing up in government well, schools and we all grow up culturally socialist in in any country that has a mandatory public school system or at least like you know most people are in a there's mandatory schooling and then most people are in the public school system you grow up culturally socialist they say if you have a problem go to the post office if you have a need to mail a letter go to the post office you have a problem call the police call the fire department if you need help go to your guidance counselor talk to your teacher these are all government officials Every single solution that they provide you with in school is to go to the government. You need a job that gets you college, go to the army. Right. I mean, every single solution. So we're, we're all raised to be culture, culturally socialist. It's like if you need help with, you know, you run out of food, go to the welfare office. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing um, that, um, that there are any libertarians out there. I mean, I know we need millions more, but the fact that there, we actually yeah. have some is... 
something. We, there are millions of us. The problem is we're, we're constantly so defeatist that we don't realize that we've already got critical mass to change the world. If we all worked together for two freaking days. Right. Yeah. I mean, this uh, is all not the libertarian fighting and this is not a pipe dream. If people would just shut the hell up about things that don't matter. It's like, I, I said this last night on Spike Cohen's show. Um, we get a mustard stain on our shirt. That is whatever current drama we have. And we wash it off and we're wearing a clean shirt out in public. And some moron comes up and says, remember that mustard stain you had? It was right there. Look, look, I can still point out where there's remnants of it. Look, you're wearing a shirt with a mustard stain. You idiot. And the rest of the world is like, oh, yeah, he's wearing a shirt with a mustard stain. He must be a total idiot. Oh, he must be too poor to buy a new shirt. It's this metaphor of bringing our problems to the rest of the world. Nobody needs to know that we disagree about, you know, about whether we should give credit for memes or something else, something stupid and immaterial to what will actually change society and make them support us. And we spend all this freaking time doing that and going to meetings and talking to other libertarians that we don't get outside of our echo chamber. Yeah. And so that's what Liberty Memes does best. We send the libertarian message outside of our echo chamber really, 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 really well. And I'll explain what I mean by that, other than just the reach that we had uh, in a second, because I think you have a question. No, go ahead. <laughs> All right, then. So Liberty Memes, is, since 2018, we started the community group. And we, we did that because we had so much viral reach, but it was just on posts. And there was no way for us to really connect with or coordinate with our audience. And I wanted to do more because I had been giving speeches at, at college campuses, at rallies, at various things all the way from 2008 all the way to, to 2018. We had been and doing events and things. And I wanted to do more of that. And I wanted to use our audience to actually change the real world instead of just have it be shares of memes on the Internet. So I created the Liberty Memes Community Group. And within like a week, it had 10,000 members. And I said, well, here we go. This is, this is a big deal. We've got a place where we've got constant contact with our fan base and we can coordinate with them. And so voluntarism in America, or I'm sorry, voluntarism in action, which is, I think, at the time, a subsidiary or an offshoot of being libertarian, uh, they reached out to us as, as basically sister pages at the time. And they said, we've got this cause for this little girl that needs a kidney transplant. Um, will you help us promote it in your group? And I said, heck yes. And I took on that cause like it was my own. Like if I needed that money for my own child's fundraiser, for my own child's kidney transplant, that I wanted my child to survive. And I promoted it relentlessly to the point where people were just absolutely pissed off that I had hijacked a meme page and a meme group to help somebody. I guess people are stupid. Yeah. But anyway, but anyway, <laughs> it worked. She got what she needed. And at that point I was like, no, 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 no. This is crazy. This is the way like you can give money to somebody and change their life and also leave a message on their GoFundMe that says, this is from libertarians. 
And then they'll go to their school or their work or their friends and their family. And they'll say, you know who did this for us, right? Libertarians. And they'd be like, who? What? Yeah. Libertarians are the reason our daughter has life right now. Uh, another cause that came shortly after we paid for um, urgent uh, vision therapy for a girl who was going to be blind permanently if she didn't get this therapy. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think we like, lost the video there. I can still hear you, yeah. though. Okay, I'll, I'll get the video back. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what I did. I'm so ridiculous. Uh, there was a girl who had who was going to go blind if she didn't get this therapy urgently, and we paid for it through the crowdfunding method. And so we just kept doing stuff like that. Another woman who was part of our community at the time, and she was one of our page followers at the time, was going to lose her house to foreclosure because she, she was disabled and she couldn't work and she wasn't really eligible for dis- disability. And so we... We took, paid the mortgage off. That's beautiful. Like, here you go. You own your house now because Liberty Memes bought you a house. You know? And so just things like that were our inspiration to just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it to the point where it was like over a million dollars that we had helped raise just wow. by cons- consistently doing this. Every time one was done, I might take a few hours off and then post the next one. And this is, I'm talking about like consistently doing that for a year and a half to two years. Yeah, that, that's I mean, a that's, long time. The, the one thing most libertarians are really bad at is actually living the values that we promote. Like you said, they're, they're too concerned with bickering about mustard stains or whatever, that they're not actually living what, you know, practicing what they preach. And anytime mm-hmm. we can actually do that and as like a proof of concept, just to yeah. show people that, hey, you can you know, find voluntary ways of funding just about anything. Yeah. Well, not just funding, but our activism in general in the Liberty movement. I mean, I was involved in the Ron Paul campaigns when we were doing money bombs and we were having massive rallies. And when we were really showing that we could make the news, even if the news didn't make anything about us. And we did that and we showed that just a little bit of dedication from the entire group all at once goes a long freaking way. We set the single day fundraising record for a presidential campaign. How much is that? With a a money bomb at the time. And we're talking about 2007, I think. Tea Party 07 is what we called it. Uh, December of 2007. uh, Yeah, 2007. And it was like $8 million all at once. Wow. And that's a lot of freaking money. And at the time, no presidential campaign, not even Barack Obama, had ever done anything like that. And so, like, Bernie Sanders even took the It's Happening gif from Ron Paul to use it for one of his money bombs and put his face on it. It's happening. It's the Bernie Sanders money bomb. I mean, eventually, every single politician was using the money bomb strategy because we invented it. And it all started with a meme. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I was actually, that's funny about that, though. I was actually at the Tea Party 07, a couple of the planning meetings for that original Money Bomb in Boston. Uh, yeah, I like, I like got some OG Ron Paul credits, you know. Yeah. I've, I've been working with Liberty Movement for a long time and even long before we did Liberty Memes. Um, you know, what's funny about that is I think, I, I guess Donald Trump is considered the meme president. 
his uh, his social media charge d'affaires. I can't think of the exact term of what his job is. Charge d'affaires means he's like the boss of something. Um, Trump's guy in the White House in charge of social media relations was my campaign manager when I ran for city council on a meme based campaign in 2013. Really? And I was a major speaker at several gun rallies against Andrew Cuomo's safe act at the time in New York. And this is in 2013 when he made some stupid gun law that like you couldn't have more than seven bullets in a gun because, because you, or because you used to have 10, but now you can only have seven because killing seven people is just way better than killing 10 people. So, of course. And you can't reload, obviously. But that was the law. And I, we gave all these rallies. And my message was nullification. Their message, everybody else's message was vote for me because it was all other politicians that, that were against the gun law. And I was like, nullification, guys. This law comes up in the courts. Just clog the courts with not guilty verdicts. Yeah. This is simple. You guys are all against this, right? And I knew that I had this premonition that the first case of that law would be used against a minority. And it was. And I said, you guys have to know that there is going to come a day that this law is going to be brought up in court against a drug dealer. And you guys don't like drug dealers because they're bad or some other criminal that did something else or some scofflaw or somebody who was speeding really dangerously. And he's also going to have this gun on him and he's going to get charged with this law. And it is going to be your duty to say not guilty to that particular charge and nobody wanted to hear it i was like the biggest message at those rallies the most well received about saying just disregard the state and these people absolutely loved it until i got deeper into that point at later events and the next time there was a major rally i was preempted by donald trump what, what do you mean preempted? Well, I was kicked off the speaker's roster for oh, Donald Trump. For him. Yeah, okay. I was I was really close to like the keynote spot. I was like third, second, third from the from the top of the list of the people who were speaking at these rallies. And then Donald Trump was like, well, I want to pretend I'm running for governor right now. And this was in so, uh, 2013, you said? 2013. Yes, okay. 2013. So, uh, so the funny thing, just the funny thing about that is, I don't know what the coincidence is, but the guy who was learning how to run campaigns over social media was my campaign manager. And he went on to work in the white house in that regard, in that, in that area. So that's really, that's really funny. Um, whenever I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that whenever you see Donald Trump tweet about Ron Paul, it's because of him. Okay. Because he was at even some of my Ron Paul meetups even long before that. He was involved. He liked Ron Paul. He's a good guy. Uh, so, but, but flash forward again to, to the charitable endeavors that Liberty Memes is involved in. Um, we've done all these things and helped people, saved people's lives, paid for their urgent surgeries, paid for their medications, bought cars for them, bought their house for them, and still... We were loaded with people in our groups that were really angry at the idea that we were using our groups to do this because they wanted it to just be about memes and they felt like this had been hijacked. And we had a mix of both. I was like, guys, if you want memes here, post memes and you guys can peruse the image gallery. There's like at this point in that group, there's at least 20,000 images that are they're all memes. Go 
scroll the memes in the, in the group. You can use the group for that. And I can use the group to help people. Yeah. People are weird, but I started doing that. Um, and I realized maybe there is an argument to be made that I could have a clearing house for these causes among the people who are always willing to help. So I created a group called the Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club. And I said, all you guys that like the work that we've been doing, why don't you come over to this separate group? And all we'll do is clear causes. We won't do anything else. And you'll expect it that what comes up in your newsfeed, and you're the kind of person who's actually actively searching for someone to help. So you can come to this group on a daily basis and see what's going on and who we're helping that day. And the pledge is so simple. You get into this group by pledging on the honor system that you'll give at least a $5 bill to one of the causes that we post every month. I mean, you'll pledge to give $5 every month, even though we post 10 or 15 causes. Yeah. This is so casual. Like, yeah. It's a $5 bill over, I don't know, what, $30,000 worth of causes? And your pledge is that you'll give five bucks to at least one of them? Yeah. And so, inevitably and uh, invariably, these causes always hit their goal because people were giving way more than their pledge. But it wasn't everybody being active. It was only about 200 of the 2,000 members actually being active. It's like that 10, 15% rule. People were active. I don't know if it was only those people that were active all the time or if they were active on a rotation where sometimes a certain group of people would help and sometimes another. But it was never the full group active all at once, ever. And we raised in the past year three hundred twenty thousand dollars wow in our first year of existence in a group that existed that started off very small with people with a five dollar pledge and we started our first cause was like two thousand dollars and our next cause was like three thousand dollars and we were trying to keep them really small so we could just kind of build up the momentum and people just keep joining and we keep having results. So with every single cause that we promote and we get results for those people go out to their community and say, these are the people that helped me. And if you want to be a helper in this world, you should join that group because they do it right. That is awesome. How do you find the, the causes to take up? This is a tricky one for me because uh, I will get them from absolutely everywhere. It's like I'm pulling them out of my ears because people know that I'm good at getting people what they need. So everybody has a GoFundMe need now. They're all inspired. They're like, you know what? I really do actually need this. So I'm going to ask. And in one way, I want that because I don't want people turning to the state. And if there is a crowd that's available to help them, sure, I want them to be able to do that. But we are just not at any sort of any sort of critical mass where we could say, yeah, this group will help absolutely everybody that comes and asks. So I'll get my inbox flooded on a daily basis with seven or eight, maybe 15 people um, saying, hey, I hate to do this. I hate to be that guy, but I need this. And I'm like, I can't help you because I've already got a cause that we're promoting in the group. 
Um, but that's how they come to us. They, they, they'll come to my inbox or I'll find them in my spam folder or I'll find them in the inbox on the page or someone attempts to post it to my pages where I have post approval on and I'll catch it. And if it's one that seems feasible and it lines up with the group's ability to help other people, then we'll run it. Cool. And, and are- so... So, so they don't, it could be somebody who's about to get evicted. I think that's like the most common one we get is people who just are just behind on their bills. And whether it's their own irresponsibility or not, I just don't care. I want to make people happy and I want to be able to impact somebody in the real world. And so I'll tell them, hey, this is a one and done. It's not like we're going to do this for you twice. But right now, we're going to be the ones that rescue you. Yeah, and I bet you're getting a lot of that now because of all the, the COVID lockdown stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, on my list is a lot of, uh, I actually have in Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club, and it's actually $5, the whole word dollar. Um, there are, there's a list of all the causes that we fully funded from October 2019 to today's date. And it's 84 causes. So this is 84 families that have been directly impacted in just one year. That's more than one per, that's more than one per week. That's 30 more than one per week, you know, in, in terms of a a whole year. Um, And there is in that list peppered throughout that list are COVID layoff expenses, COVID layoff expenses. You know, there was downturn, economic downturn due to COVID lockdowns and things like that. And so there are people on that list. Yeah. And so and this when is people just... cry, when people cry out that, that who will take care of the people who've been laid off from COVID if we don't get the stimulus package passed? And I'm like, well, in my community, we're already taking care of each other. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's what you need. Either way, it's the people are doing it, whether or not it's voluntary or forced, the yeah. people take care of it, you know? This light situation is kind of annoying. I need to crowdfund a better car. So, <laughs> no, um, I do have a Patreon. That is how I get paid for this work. This is 12 to 14 hours a day of just tireless promotion of these causes. I literally adopt these causes as though they were my own yeah. because I want these people to get these results. So I do have a Patreon to, to fund what I do. Uh, it's patreon.com slash liberty memes. And that's basically if people appreciate our work, they chip in. It's just like Wikipedia has their little thing up at the top of the page. It says, hey, you like Wikipedia? Give us two bucks, you know, right. or something like that. And we do have loyal sponsors that enable us to do more of this stuff because I don't just keep it online. I don't just keep my activism and my charitable endeavors uh, confined to posting causes to that group. I go out in the real world and I find people with real needs and I help them right there in person. So a lot of the, and, and I'm not required to, but a lot of that money that people give me on Patreon, I just reinvest in helping other people with it. So I'll go out and I'll buy supplies for the homeless or, or I'll just be driving around town looking for homeless people to help. And Last year in the winter, and this is this is one of those tearjerker stories. Um, last year in the winter, I, I live in Syracuse, New York. And for the uninitiated, Syracuse, New York is officially listed as the number one major metropolitan area in annual snowfall oh. in the United States. 
We get the most snow. It gets cold here. We flip-flop every year between Erie, Pennsylvania and Syracuse, New York being the snowiest city in America. And it's cold. I was driving to the mall around Christmas shopping season and between the parking lot of the mall and a parking lot of a factory was a strip of woods. And I was driving by and I just kind of took a glance and I saw that there was a trail to the woods and that there was one footprint set and one tire track set from a bicycle. And I said, holy crap, somebody's living back there. Those are fresh tracks in the snow. Somebody's back there. And I'm a pretty big dude. Like I'm about 6'1 and, and, and like 235 pounds. I was a baseball player too. Like I'm a big, tough guy. I'm not scared of anything. So I walk into these woods in the middle of the night and I live streamed it for my group. I was like, hey guys, it's the middle of the night and I'm wandering into a woods next to an abandoned factory. Who wants to check this out? This is going to be exciting. And uh, I found basically a hobbit house in the woods made out of like pallets and, and plywood. This guy built a house. And, and he's just living out there. He had a door with a lock on it, and he was living inside of this hobbit house in the woods <laughs> made out of pallets and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, this is great. So I knock on the door, see if anybody's inside. <laughs> the guy comes out, and he, says, he, says, he says, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, well, you're the guy living out in the middle of the woods with no heat, no electricity, and no toilet in the middle of a Syracuse winter. I want to know how I can help you. <laughs> and so he told me, he gave me a list of things that he would need to be comfortable. You know, a new coat, some gloves, some thermal underwear, some fresh socks, um, and thermal boots. So I went all out. I got all that stuff for him. I bought him like two bulk packs of hand warmers uh, just because he's riding a bicycle to and from wherever he's going yeah. in the day. And this is a guy who was actually volunteering at the time for a charity that helps the homeless. And he's homeless, but he he has a home in the woods on private property. <laughs> and uh, so the mall was actually planning to tear his home down pretty soon, actually, within the month. Um, but I did that, and I even on, I live streamed that too. I showed the group. I was like, "Hey guys, this is what your sponsorship paid for this month." You know, I, here's a brand new, fresh pair of Thermal Timberlands that I gave the guy, and some nice pair of jeans. I asked him for his sizes in everything, and I went to Burlington Coat Factory and just like bought everything I could find, and just I was like, "Here you go, Al. I got this for you." He's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it!" I bought him a propane space heater, and like. 10 tanks of propane for it. Beautiful. And said, now you're going to get carbon monoxide poisoning if you use these in a confined space. So do you have like a ventilation back there? He's like, actually, I do. He had like a little thing he could prop over. He said, I understand carbon monoxide poisoning. I understand the danger. Don't worry. And he was warm. He, I was like, I don't want you to ever run out of propane. Run it for a certain amount of time. I like explained everything to him. He's like, oh, no, no. I know exactly what to do with this. This is great. Like He was, he was fish in water when it came to heating his living space with a propane tank. <laughs> so it was great. And uh, then I... I stopped visiting him. I got, I don't know what I did. I just, I got busy with life, with other things. I think I had an event I had to go speak at. And when I got home, uh, his shelter wasn't there anymore. Oh man. 
And I had no idea where he was, except I knew that he volunteered for that one organization and that they knew who he was. So come forward to, uh, to this year, and Spike Cohen had invited me to speak as his MC at a rally in Houston, Texas. I live in Syracuse, and I actually drove all the way to Houston. That's another fun story. The reason I drive to these places is because I like personally meeting people and impacting their lives and talking to them about liberty. Okay. So that's another reason that people sponsor me is because I've got this knack of finding people who we can spread the liberty message to. Um, so before I, I left Syracuse to go to Houston, I'm walking down the street and I run into this guy about Al's height and size. And he looked just like him, except he was clean shaven and wearing nice clothes. He was like, he was like, tidy and and neat and i i just like i couldn't believe it i knew it was him but i I still couldn't believe it i couldn't believe what i was seeing and uh he was on a cleanup crew for that organization and that organization was emblazoned on his shirt so i knew it was him i was like you that's him i can't believe this and he's still volunteering for them even though he's in good shape now i went over to the foreman i didn't even want to talk to him i was like just so nervous and i i don't know what I would say to him right now. So I'm still not ready, but I know where to find him. But I went to the foreman of, of that little volunteer crew and I said, whatever happened to that guy, Al, who was living in the woods by the mall? And immediately they knew who I was talking about. And the lady says, I use foreman as a gender fluid uh, word, by the way. It was a woman. Uh, she says, she says, uh, I don't know exactly what happened to him, but one day last winter, he came into our office and he said, you know what? I'm ready to go back into society and live in a house. And I don't know what changed him, but he was like saying something about feeling like people care about him again. Wow. Oh man, that's beautiful. This is a person who was living in his own filth in the cold in Syracuse in a hobbit house in the middle of the woods and because we reached him on his level and treated him like he was important even though he was back there in the middle of the woods where no one would find him and we showed love to this person as a valuable human being no matter what station in life you're found at that moment and it was enough to turn his life around completely. And he still volunteers for the people that helped him along while he was, while he was in that situation. That, I mean, that is amazing. this stuff changes the world. So I went back to Houston. Uh, the, I went back to Houston for an event at Ron Paul's house a couple of weeks ago. And while I was driving there, because that's what I do, <laughs> and that's a long drive. Uh, I stopped in Texarkana and in Texarkana at about one o'clock in the morning, I saw a homeless uh, person is a Cajun black guy kind of would remind you of Bubba Gump. Okay. It's like, he had that same accent. He had like the, he had the same features as Bubba, but he's like bigger. He's a really big, intimidating looking dude, but he was asleep on the steps of a church. And I just walked by because I had, I had purchased a, 
a pack of Visa gift cards to hand out to people that were in need along my trip. So I like in Kentucky, I would find a house that looked like maybe they were poor people and give them a few Visa gift cards and write a little note that says, this is from Liberty Memes. You don't know me, but I was passing through your town and maybe treat your kids to a pizza, you know, this weekend. Yeah. Just to see which one of those letters and gift cards would get back to me and somebody saying, oh, you have no idea how awesome that was. You know, we we went to the movies or something with it. So I, every once in a while, those get back to us when we do these giveaways. But I had them also to help stranded motorists and to help the homeless. And so I walked up to him and I was like, hey, buddy. And he lets out this blood curdling scream because he was asleep. <laughs> And he's like, ah! and I was like, hey, no, 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 no. Don't worry. I'm just here to help you. I've got some Visa gift cards for you and a, and a couple snacks and some socks and stuff. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Good look. Good look. Good look. Come sit down. Come sit down. So he tells me his story. And basically, he just had a falling out with his family in Louisiana. So, yeah, he's Cajun. And um, and he just felt like because of that and and their society is very family oriented. And if you're living anywhere, you're living with some family member. And uh, so he felt like he was condemned to not being allowed to live in a building anymore. Wow. And he said, why don't you sit down and we'll have a we'll have a prayer meeting. Basically, I was like. <laughs> all right, this is interesting. It's one o'clock in the morning on the Arkansas, Texas border. I got really nowhere to be tomorrow. Sure. Let's do this. So I sit down and just kind of chat with the guy and we start like reading the Bible and singing songs together just for fun, chatting about government and Liberty and all sorts of other things. He's a young guy. I think he's only 25 or 26. And, uh, and I gave him my phone number and he called me just this week. And he said, I just want to give you an update on me. I am in a shelter right now where they have a work for shelter program that eventually helps you find your own housing. Cool. Another one, another guy with the exact same story, basically living on the street under a blanket. And somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, you know, I'm a libertarian and I'm here to help. <laughs> and those are the best words in the, in the English language. Oh, that's awesome. And and so now he is currently on the path to getting into housing. He doesn't feel like, because I told him when I, because I, I prayed with him, you know, I'm a, I'm a church boy and I prayed with him and I, and I said in my prayer that I hoped that he would realize that he would be a much more effective evangelist with his religious convictions if he actually had a home base and a house that he lived in like a normal person. <laughs> Right. And he said, you know, no one has ever just bluntly put it to me that way. And he, we, we hugged and exchanged phone numbers and, and he got in touch and he said, I'm going to live in a house. That is, that is just incredible, man. I, I can't believe you, uh, you have so much drive and find the time to do all this. Yeah, I can't either. I've got four kids here in my house and my wife and uh, I got to, I got to do that too. And, you know, COVID era, we're all homeschooling. But I was homeschooling before this, so it's not too bad. But yeah, we've all got to do like remote learning with the schools and all this other stuff. So we're really busy. But I try to make time for liberty every single day. 
Let's take a quick break for a second because I have a brand new sponsor that I am very excited to have them on board. And I think all of you smokers out there listening to the Peddling Fiction podcast are going to love this product as well. We're getting into a, a time of year where it's freezing cold outside. Maybe you don't want to have to go outside the bar or the restaurant or your office or wherever you're at to go get that nicotine fix. Instead of doing all that, all you have to do now is grab one of your Zipix toothpicks. These are nicotine-laced flavored toothpicks that were created in 1993 in a pharmacy, and they are FDA registered, which is pretty cool. So basically, you can take these to help curve your cravings for, for nicotine for all you smokers out there. They come in six delicious flavors. I know he's got a whiskey one that I'm pretty excited to try out. But each toothpick, and this is really cool, each toothpick is infused under like a vacuum with with nicotine and flavor. And you can use it anywhere you can't use a cigarette. So uh, I know for people that are suffering over there in Chicago, it's about to get pretty damn cold outside. And maybe you don't want to go outside to smoke the cigarette. You can pop one of these in your mouth wherever you are. You don't have to worry about smelling like cigarettes, tasting like cigarettes. You'll keep your teeth nice and white, and you can still curve those uh, nicotine cravings. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm Personally, I'm not a smoker, but I know I bet a lot of you guys are. And it's the only way that I've ever heard of where you can get non-inhalation nicotine. That doesn't involve putting a bunch of stuff in your mouth and having to spit every couple of minutes or keeping a, a big wad of tobacco in the side of your cheek or a bunch of nicotine gum or something like that. This is it's a toothpick. You can pop it in. You can pop it out. You can take a little bit now. You can save it for later. Pop it back in when you have another craving or anything like that. It just seems like another great option for anybody that smokes or that dips or likes chewing tobacco or something like this. This could be a great alternative for you. That's very easy to, to handle, easy to operate, and that doesn't gross a lot of people out. You know, a lot of people out there don't like smokers, don't like people who smell like cigarettes. I know a lot of women out there are disgusted by uh, people who do chewing tobacco or dip. You know, I used to dip a little bit when I played baseball. And believe me, fellas, the ladies do not like it. All right. I'm, I'm sure they would much rather prefer you just pop a toothpick in your mouth to, to satisfy those cravings. You can pop one of these toothpicks in your mouth, chew on it, suck on it a little bit, whatever you got to do. And no one will be none the wiser that you're getting your nicotine fix from the toothpick. They cost less than cigarettes, less than dip, less than chew, and any of the other over-the-counter nicotine alternatives. These, are, these will be less expensive. They offer 2-milligram and 3-milligram toothpicks. And for $5.99, you get a 20-pack free shipping. And they also have a flavor bundle, an ultimate flavor bundle. It has all six flavors and 20-count packs. So if you want to try them all, that would be the best way to do it. It's really the best of both worlds <laughs> this day and age where nowhere in the United States can you smoke a cigarette, right? First it was the, the smoking section, then it was outside the door, then it was 10 feet from the door, now you're like down the street in an alley freezing your balls off. Forget all that. Get yourself some Zipix toothpicks. You can zip more, smoke less. So go to zipixtoothpicks.com, use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your order. That is Zipix, Z as in zebra, I-P-P-I-X, toothpicks.com, promo code FICTION. Are you using the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum? 
No, um, we're actually our kids go to a, a, a Turkish charter school, which is another story for another day. Okay. Actually, I'll tell it now. Why not? Sure. As long as I'm sitting here. Um, so I get my kids in trouble with their Turkish charter school. But um, so there's this cottage industry in Turkey, at least there was a decade ago, of people coming to the United States and establishing charter schools. And they were basically followers of this individual imam in, in it's not like a Muslim extremist or anything. It's just like a guy who figured out that you can start all these schools in America and make some money. And uh, so they did this. They started this, the charter schools. Most of the charter schools in this country are, are actually, they're run by Turks. And they actually had a cottage industry in Turkey and they, they did trainings and everything for how to be school administrators in the United States. So they came here and they did that. Now, apparently the guy who was behind or, or, or who re revolutionized this method of getting, you know, business in the United States, apparently he was also accused of trying to overthrow the current Turkish government. So all of the Turks in foreign territory at that point who were doing work for him were immediately exiled. So including a, including a basketball player whose father was involved with them, uh, Ennis Cantor. He's a Turkish basketball player for the Boston Celtics. Oh, okay. and, uh, and his parents were thrown in prison because he tweeted something about the Turkish government. Wow. And this is an NBA player who tweeted something about the Turkish government and, and, got, and his parents ended up in jail just because he said something about, about the current dictator. And, um, it's funny about him. It's like he doesn't exist if they broadcast an NBA game in Turkey. And basketball is very popular in Turkey. There's Enes Kanter is not the only Turkish NBA player. <laughs> and the word censor in Turkish, S-E-N-S-U-R, is on his body as he runs up and down the court. Seriously? Just yes. him? Just him. So you can watch a basketball game and Enes Kanter is the only one who has this the word censor on his body as he runs up and down because in Turkey he doesn't exist. That is incredible. Yeah, but anyway, Edis Kander is friends with the administrator of my son's school here in Syracuse and they actually hang out. So it's like there's this whole totally and you never know. And and that's what I that's what I try to express to people in the liberty movement. You never know when you're in the presence of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. You have no clue what's under the surface or what's behind somebody's story or what they've been involved with. Look, I run a memes page, but before that, I was the number one volunteer recruiter for Ron Paul in the United States during a giant grassroots campaign that before Bernie Sanders was the biggest grassroots campaign that's ever been seen in this country. And I was the number one recruiter for that. And I run a memes page. And so that all goes away. Nobody knows that I did that. And before I did that, I was helping Cuban baseball players escape from Cuba. You never know when somebody's got this ridiculous backstory of all these talents and all these things they know how to do. So I look at the Liberty Movement overall as the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and not a single person like has realized this yet. We're so busy doing these... Um, credentials measuring contests credentials means penis and uh, see we do these dick measuring contests and uh 
oh, I knocked on more doors than you, or I ran for office more times than you. I got endorsed by more people than you. I got more people that I did this. I did that. I got more signatures or, or I run a bigger memes page than you. And it's like, everybody has their own station in life and their own groove and their own thing that they're really good at. And I know that in the Liberty movement, everybody has some sort of a talent that they're really good at. If we were to take each one of those talents and put it on the table and say, okay, let's see where that fits in, in this puzzle. And we move forward with everybody acting in concert, but in their way, in their groove, we would be unstoppable. And this is what I try to express with the Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club. Just in crowdfunding alone, we have already proven that money bombs are possible. And we've already proven that we can care for the poor without government involvement. And just in a microcosmic way, but we've proven it. You know, it's not enough for us libertarians to be online, just click, clack, click, clack, click, 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 clack on the internet all day, telling everybody, well, socialism is bad and the free market is going to save us from it. Well, okay, show me how. Right. Because in this generation, they don't have an example of the Soviet Union collapsing. In this generation, they haven't seen that. They've just heard from Bernie Sanders that they can go to college for free. Yeah. So in this generation, you can't tell them, well, no, that's socialism. That's bad. That's what got millions of people killed in the last century. And they're like, I, I wasn't around back then. Things have changed. Socialism's softer now. Yeah. You know, they have no idea. Well, it's democratic They have now. no idea. And so, so the only way to prove to them that there's a superior method that doesn't involve giving guns and money to the government so that they can go and bomb people that they don't like, that you have no problem with, and that they can go and arrest people and rough them up and, 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 and abuse minorities in the streets with impunity and abuse the black community and target them with this money that you send them so that you can have roads. Right. And, and so I, that the poor will be taken care of. Yeah. And, and it's, so, well, it's tangible, you know, it's something that you can actually point to. There's a person, there's a story there. Mm -hmm. So much of the, the libertarian theory, you know, it, it's like, Oh, you just kind of have to trust us that it's going to work. And now, you, yeah, you, and that's stupid. That's stupid. If you believe it, live it. If yeah. you believe that this is the superior way and that it will take over when socialism collapses, lay out the groundwork to make it happen. Yeah. Don't just sit around being like, click, clack, 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 clack. Hey, hey, you're a socialist. I hate you. And polarizing everybody on the internet. Listen, the one thing that we make a rule in that group is, yes, everybody knows that it's libertarian oriented and that we're libertarians in general that are giving, but it is not a political group. I don't care if a communist wants to join my group because they don't think the government is big enough to provide for everything they want the government to provide right now. Like they, it hasn't reached their goal of being big enough to help the certain marginalized person that they're worried about. So we can bring that communist to the group and say, well, I've got an opportunity for you to help those marginalized peoples that you care about. <laughs> so, so we could even get them involved and we have in some of these crowdfunding efforts and they haven't. And even Alexandria Ocasio was just doing crowdfunding just last week. And she was like, congratulations guys. I can't believe you raised like $200,000 in a few hours for these people who suffered some, you know, COVID layoffs or I don't even know what it was, but it was about people who fall through the cracks of what the state can provide.
Yeah. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself was doing crowdfunding, mutual aid. And people were kept tweeting about it. They're like, somebody going to tell her? Uh, do I have to be the one to tell her that she's literally li- she's literally promoting voluntarism right now? This is the replacement for the socialist, for the welfare warfare state. You know, you don't need to give money to the government so that they can hurt people in order to care for the poor. Right. And you don't have to give nearly as much as the government's actually taking because they end up blowing most of it on the bureaucracy and all sorts of other stuff. I mean, if you if you peel it back, I mean, it's. You ever see video of monkeys eating grapes in Thailand? No. <laughs> monkeys, you think we're fickle eaters as humans. Monkeys will peel the skin off of a grape. Really? Now, you know how thin the skin of a grape is. I do. Imagine the portion of our tax dollars that actually goes to things that we care about being much thinner than that. <laughs> like, indetectable totally translucent almost basically transparent you know thin little piece of grape skin is what goes to the things that we cherish as taxpayers and everything else goes to bombing people and abusing black people it's like what (laughs) yeah it's always amazing to me that the message doesn't resonate with more people Like you were saying, AOC has no idea what she's just done. But this is how to make it resonate with people because you can go to a community, a marginalized community, a community that's been routinely neglected by the government, but always promised that the next election cycle is going to be their big cash in. And so you go to the ghetto and you say, and I I live in the ghetto. I'm not good. I'm not rich. (laughs) Okay. You know, um, You go to these neighborhoods and you have a direct impact in their lives and you say, I'm doing this because I care about you, but also I'm doing this because this is how we should be taking care of each other in the world and not relying on a government or a politician who comes and knocks on your door and says, if you just vote for me this election cycle, I'll give you everything you want. And when you go to his office and you say, well, where's those things that I want? And you say, well, just wait until my next term. That's when I'm allowed to do that stuff. And so you have to vote for him again and again and again and again and again and again to get everything you want. And meanwhile, they do entertain you with crumbs. They do give you the food stamps. They give you Section 8. So you are, you know, at least you've got a place to live and and, and food to eat. But everything else is just falling apart. And even the idea of caring for other people disappears because the only solution is to wait on the government. Yeah. And then you get the the mindset that we have nowadays where people refuse to help others because they're angry. They're like, well, I pay taxes already, so the government had better step up and do their part. Yeah. No, I, I have so, to fight back that impulse sometimes. Yeah, so but but you make a you you make an impact on someone's life who has been waiting for someone else to come along, someone from the government and impact them that way. And you say, the government was never gonna do it. And the government has never done it. And you know this, but they will tell their family, they say, but those libertarians were here and they came to my house and they paid for my house (laughs) or whatever. They saved my child from, from, from appendicitis. 
or whatever it is that we paid for because we've done so many hundreds of causes. And they'll say, those people had an impact in my life when the government did it. And, and meanwhile, the government is beating black people senselessly in the senseless in the streets right. and tasing them and throwing people in cages over nonviolent offenses over. There is no law so trivial that they will not choke you to death over. And you tell people you're like, but you want that same government to pay for your housing and to give you food stamps. So you put up with this crap. You don't have to do that we could take care of each other if we're all in this and uh, so libertarians in particular could have a massive impact if we just get involved in our local communities or get involved in national efforts like the ones that i'm heading up with liberty memes five dollar charity club where you can just show up and help somebody and have an impact in a real person's life even though they're a stranger even though you don't know what their political philosophy is you can help somebody and impact their life where politics and the government could never reach them even if they wanted to they couldn't yeah no i mean i i think it's unbelievable what you're doing man you're legendary i i can't believe this all came from from just the simple meme page and uh yeah well, a lot of people, a lot of people are like, well, you should probably change the name at this point because you're more charity than memes. I'm like, no, that's who we were. And that's the name that we're going to keep. And we're going to let people know that it's a silly memes page that just changed the world. Because the point of that is anybody can freaking do this if you just get off your ass and do it. Yeah, yeah I, I'm learning that. Yeah, I'm learning that lesson this year, especially. Um, yeah, it, I told I told political campaigners, I said, you guys just lost another election. You know, the Libertarian Party people, I'll go to their events and I'll, I'll go to political strategists events and camp- people who are campaigning on a liberty minded platform. And they just lost again in a culturally socialist district, which equals every district in America. And I'll say, you know, your job would be so much easy so much easier if you were actually having an impact in these people's lives before you knock on their door and ask them to vote for you yeah how about for a few months of downtime that you have right now after the national election you come over here to liberty memes five dollar charity club and we just bust out cause after cause and just help strangers and you guys maybe even start your own regional chapters of just you guys doing this for people where it's like hey, uh, somebody in Abilene has a problem. So all the people in Houston and New Braunfels and Dallas and Fort Worth all show up on their GoFundMe and say, hey, I'm a libertarian here in Texas and I care about you. And people will be like, wow, Texans that care about people are Texan libertarians. Yeah. I mean, this, these are ways to spread the message in and everybody, every idiot that tells me Oh, yeah. How do you spread liberty by helping people? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Our whole philosophy is that we can have a prosperous society that cares for the poor without having the government steal from us and abuse us. Yeah. And this is making it happen in a tangible way that changes someone's life. So that's why I do the tours of the whole country that's why i meet with everybody i can try to get everybody pumped that's why i come on every podcast whether i remember the name of the podcast or not (laughs) i'm sorry for that i'm an old man 
No offense. None taken. I think it had something to do with folklore, fiction, something. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm so sorry. What's the name? Peddling fiction. Peddling fiction. Oh, yeah. listen. Everything I just said is total lies. You should probably vote for Bernie Sanders next time around. He might not be dead. And we'll get free college for once. There you go. Yeah, well, uh, man, I'm I'm so glad I had John because I had no idea all, all these things that you've been doing. It's it, you got an incredible story. I, I love what you're doing. I will be joining the five dollar Liberty memes page. That is that is precisely how Larry Sharp ended his interview with me just a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, he said, "Okay, you know what, David? All right, fine. I'm joining your stupid group. Let's go." <laughs> Um, there's one other thing that I've done through these groups and that is just within our own community, not just for strangers. Um, well, I consider libertarians family, whether we bicker or not, I, we're here to promote Liberty and that's what we should look at first. Um, and so in the Liberty memes community group, which is the original group that I told you about, we created to, to be involved and, and get people involved in the real world. We have something called Pizza Friday. And on Pizza Friday, I just post a picture of me holding a pizza and a picture of Ron Paul because he endorsed this program. And it says, if you're hungry, ask for a warm meal. If you're feeling generous, send one to somebody. And somebody says, oh, I'm hungry. I could use a delivery. I like pepperoni on my pizza. Or I don't like pizza. I like Chinese food or whatever. And the generous people get on Grubhub and send them a meal. And we have done this every single Friday since the first week of February, 2019. So it is almost at the, it's almost at the two year mark of that program. And we have fed warm meals to over 500 internet stranger families. That's you're incredible, man. I don't know how you, how you with, do all this with stuff. What? With what? With, with a meme page, with a meme group, with the one group that complains the most. <laughs> and they, they have fed warm meals to over 500 families in a totally casual Friday program where it's just like, if you happen to see this post and you're hungry, you say, hey, hit me up. I, I need a meal. And the other person's like, hey, hit me up if you need one. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing what we can accomplish if we were just all involved in these things. And I tell people, hey, if you can't afford to donate to causes, you can't afford to send a pizza, but you also don't really need a pizza, just interact with posts. Because algorithm reach is what libertarians are suffering for the most on the internet right now. It's like we've just decided that we're not going to be allowed to get our message out there, so we should just give up on trying. And there are always ways around the algorithm. It just involves actually being active on a routine basis. Gotcha. Well, I, I'm, I know I'm, you feel I'm in, that. Man. I know you feel that as someone who tries to be active in the digital oh, yeah. world and try to get a message out there. You're like, how do I break through these stupid algorithms yeah. to get my podcast to the people that actually want to see it? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm uh, too technologically illiterate to figure it out. To be honest with you, <laughs> well, I'll tell people: remember that a time donation is just as valuable valuable as a cash donation. If you're not somebody who, who's got a lot of money and can just splash it around and help others that way, you can always interact with a post on Facebook and make sure that more people see it. Because the Facebook algorithm 
is basically a test market. When you first post something, they send it to a few news feeds. And if those first news feeds don't interact with it, they're like, yeah, nobody wants to see this. And they don't show it to anybody else. Uh, So when you see something from a libertarian and you are a libertarian, click like on it. At least it's not that hard. Instead of going and saying, hey, I love those Chinese how-to videos that have 5 million likes on them. I'm going to go add my like to it too and comment and tag all my friends and say, hey, you guys see this Chinese how-to video? Freaking tag your friends on libertarian stuff too. I mean, at least share some of that love because we're like languishing out here trying to get the message out. And even with that, even with all the zuckinings and the pages being taken down and our algorithm reach being total crap, we raised more than a quarter million dollars in less than a year on a casual $5 pledge from 200 people. That, that is just mind-boggling to me. I, I still can't get over these numbers. Yeah, look what we can do. This yeah. is what we can do if we're all involved. So you go out and you're like, hey, you know what we should be doing? We should be doing money bombs that don't just go to a political organization. We should do these money bombs that actually impact the real world in a way that we can also spread the message and say, hey, this money comes from libertarians. Yeah. It, it- changes real people's lives instead of just going and I, I this isn't to say that think tanks don't have a place this isn't to say that other organizations and political organizations and even some candidates don't have a place in the liberty movement but we're spending so much time and resources just on politics when we could also be influencing culture in this extremely impactful way that gets people to say hey you know what i'm open to your ideals yeah, man, I, I think you're really onto something. I, I it's got to be the the perfect way of spreading the message of liberty, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. So, I guess that's it for now. But, yeah, I mean, I know uh, you got a wife and kids. You got to get back I, to. I got a lot of stuff. Well, last night I was on Spike Cohen's show, and I had actually sent them to her sister's house so that I could do that from the laptop. That's why I couldn't do it tonight for you. I'm sorry, you. you you and I are just kind of hanging you were out able my to, car. To come on. But, uh, but I was like a minute from wrapping up and my son knocks on the door really loud. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, whoa. And, and the comments were, oh, the cops finally broke to de- <laughs> They're broke into David's house. They're, they're here. They're coming for Liberty Memes. It was pretty funny. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're still alive and well, man, because we, we need a lot more people doing what you're doing. That's what I want. I don't want to be the only one doing it. Because it is hard. It is difficult, especially when it's like you're flooded with 17 causes a day and you really want to help every single one of them and you have to tell them no. Tell them no. Or uh, preferably, I'll give them advice and they'll take it and they'll get the results themselves. Because I'll go to somebody who's got a fundraiser that's not getting anywhere and I'll say, why don't you tell the friends of yours that actually want to help your fundraiser to post it to their wall and tag 20 friends and like and comment and you'll see you'll raise that money and it works there was one cause where and see i ended up keeping keeping going here um there was one cause that someone came to me and said this girl is in a coma because she has the flu it's like a three, four, five, six-year-old, something around that age range. And uh, she's in a coma because she has the flu and this family is missing work to be in the hospital with her and they're taking care of her. And um, CNN picked up on it. 
Like the guy sent me his, his ideas for what he wanted to raise for the GoFundMe. And I said, well, my group can't really sustain that total right now, but, but I'll give you advice on how to run it as though it was me running it. And so I just gave him step after step. And I, it took like an hour of just posting different information to his messenger to tell him how to run a GoFundMe as though you were David Gay. And he got local media attention and then CNN. Now, CNN, they used it for their propaganda to say, oh, yeah, you should vaccinate your kids for the flu and all this other stuff. Because, look, this girl has a coma because of the flu. So you need a vaccine. But they featured the fundraiser and she got what she needed. And about a month or two later, once she was finally out of the coma and home, still blind, by the way, when she left the hospital. Uh, they thought she would be permanently blind. And a couple months later, she, her mother noticed that when she was walking down the hall, she wasn't feeling the walls anymore. Wow. And it wasn't because she knew where she was. It was because she could see. And it was because that fundraiser paid for therapy so that she would be able to see again. And that's another time that Liberty Memes fans <laughs> cured blindness. You guys so, are amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, and that's, that's the, that's one of the problems though, is like, there's a goodness overload. People hear these stories and they're like, no, that is just too tremendous. That is just too awesome. There's no way that that happened. And then this other thing happened. And then this guy decided he wanted to live in a house again. And he's not homeless anymore. And all this other stuff because homeless people, our, our society is like, that's it. That's, you know, that's, that's where you go to die. You're there's no salvation from that station in life. And I'm out here to prove that you can help pretty much anybody and make an impact and spread the libertarian message through them. Yeah, man. I, uh, I don't know what else to say, man. I, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. I'm going to be a, a member of all these pages. Do you want to plug everything again? Yeah. So Liberty memes, $5 charity club is the group where this, where we clear all these causes that we're able to get to. Um, I don't like people joining there to ask for help simply because I'm trying to keep it as a donors club. So I'll invite the people that we're currently helping to be in there, but I, I try to keep it from one of the rules of the group is that you're not there to suggest causes because I'm already overwhelmed with them. So I try to discourage people from bringing new ones to me, but that doesn't really work. And then I've got a soft spot for them because they've been helpful in the group. So I'm like, all right, I'll run this one too. And we'll run that one. And it just, that's why it's never ending. But anyway, Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club is a group where you pledge to give $5 a month to at least one of the causes that we post, the many causes that we post per month. And you're doing this in concert with a couple thousand other people who have made that exact same pledge. So if everybody was active at the same time, at this point, it's about $15,000 per month minimum that we could raise for people that are in need. So say somebody's about to be evicted and they need $500 to pay their rent. We could take care of that so freaking easily. It's not even funny. And Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club. Now, this is almost exclusively on Facebook, the stuff that we do. That's on Facebook. Um, and then we have another exclusive group that's just for our Patreon members and our sponsors through Patreon. So if you recognize, even through this interview, the amount of work that actually goes into making this happen, give us a tip. Chip in on, on, on Patreon and say, hey, you know what? 
I like what you do. I want you to continue doing it. And I want you to be able to do more of it and on a grander scale. So here's a couple bucks to grow your Patreon. Now, if every libertarian in America, instead of donating to every single political candidate or when they're donating to every political candidate was like, you know what? I'm going to find all these libertarian influencers, influencers on the internet, and I'm going to sponsor them too. Yeah. We would be crushing the social media game again, even without any concern for algorithms. Why do you think the leftist voices are the strongest on these social media platforms? Besides algorithm preference, it's because they are paying for it. Yeah, they're paying for all this exposure and the left has money and the left funds their people. So they have already got that. It's ironically because they're anti-capitalist, but at the same time, they're, they will just funnel all the money in the world to anybody who is a leftist influencer. But libertarians are like, don't touch my ducats. I'm like, guys, it's okay to give it up voluntarily and it's okay for people to like you. Yeah, <laughs> so, we don't all have to be miserable. And it's okay for us to have influencers in our camp. So the more of those we can make prosperous, the better. So there's me on my Patreon. There's uh, Chris Spangle with We Are Libertarians. There's Scott Horton with Anti-War Radio. There is, uh, there's Being Libertarian. There are, there's Larry Sharp. He's got his The Sharp Way with Larry Sharp. And I'm a patron of all of those with my Patreon funds from the people that, that, that give to me. And I try to be, you know, at least somewhat influential, try to give each one of those $50 every single month to, to, to be a support base for them. But every single one of this, you, you look at who is, who are the number one influencers on Patreon and it's all leftist podcasts. Yeah. And it's because the left knows to give money to their mouthpieces because they know that will make them successful and it will get their message out there. Why are we not doing this? <laughs> we're, we're, we're all too autistic. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. I, I try not to uh, assign derogatory names to uh, to to people. I mean, I try to not to assign you know things that are out of someone's control as a derogatory term. Right. Yeah. So I don't like to say, "Oh, that person's retarded," unless you know they've actually got a mental issue. And still, that in the word "retarded" is very offensive. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're pretty nuts. <laughs> um, but even then that's just a vocal minority because those of us that get it and speak the same language and are out here helping people in the name of Liberty are, are, we're changing the world. So yeah. even in spite our knuckleheads that are in the movement, they're not the ones who are making things happen. So sometimes I'm like, don't even worry about them. Why do we spend our time arguing with people who are just full of crap and aren't getting anything done? Leave them in the dust and come and let's help people. Yeah, I am on board. I am 100% on board with what you're doing. Um, like I said, I'm joining your pages. I, I, I was going to say, 
I was wondering if you were working with any other libertarian groups. So I'm glad that you're working with Scott Horton and Sharp and everybody like that. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily working with them directly, but I do sponsor them because I feel a duty to sponsor the the, the various libertarian organizations that I that I like. I'm like you guys are very effective at spreading the message, and I want you to be more effective at spreading the message. That's literally the point of funding any of these people. Oh, well, what's in it for them? Are they going to get rich off of it? Yes. Yes, they are. That's a good thing because people like us who have proven that we go out and effectively spread the message because we believe in it, will be able to dedicate even more time and resources to that if we're prosperous. I mean, that's just normal free market capitalist theory, you know, make somebody in your own camp prosperous and your camp will do very well. Yep. Couldn't so yeah, have said it any so, better myself. So yeah, Patreon is definitely a good tool or whatever subscribe star or whatever thing people use to get people to help them. Or even if you're getting paid by the amount of clicks and the amount of downloads on whatever platform you're on, freaking be active. If you support somebody or you appreciate the message that they spread like you or like me or like Larry Sharp or like Spike Cohen, do what it takes to get them the resources they need to get that message outside of your echo chamber. Awesome. Yeah. I think, I think we got to leave it at that. I couldn't have said it any better myself, David Gay, ladies and gentlemen, Liberty memes, make sure you uh, get on that $5 donation page, Facebook, share some memes, share some Liberty. And uh, thanks for being on, man. I had a great time yeah, talking to you. I had no idea you were doing so, so many wonderful things. And, uh, Man, I yeah, just... I mean, that's like the one and a half hour version. There's probably a six hour version that includes a lot more stories. Well, you can come on anytime, man. <laughs> All right. You have a good night. All right. Take care. Take care. That's uh, that's the interview with David Gay, Liberty Memes. Uh, man, what a wonderful guy. I uh, I had no idea he was doing so many incredible things like that. And um, if you can, you know, find find a way to uh, help help support what he's doing don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. You can become a supporting listener of this show by going to pedalingfictionpodcast.com. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace. <laughs>